Good morning, everyone. For... What's up, everybody? How's it going, Mark? Where, wherever you are in the world, whatever time it is. <laughs> yeah, for anyone watching this later, uh, Mark and I are doing this live stream. Well, right now it is 9 a.m. Central Time on the morning of New Year's Eve 2022. And uh, uh, we just learned that Pope Benedict XVI passed away. How long ago, Mark? When was when was it? So the report I read said 9.34 a.m. Rome time. So I don't know what time that is here in, you know, U.S. Central time, but sometime during the night last night, yeah. Seven hours ahead. So, yeah, it would have been like 1 or 2 a.m. our time. Mm, yeah. It's kind of interesting because uh, I, I was working on uh, a day before yesterday. I was sitting in a tattoo parlor getting this piece that I'm working on getting done and the piece that I was working on for my, my full sleeve. And it's kind of, it was the medal of St. Benedict. So okay, that's not done yet. So it doesn't look <laughs> very good. And so as soon as it gets all healed up, I'll, I'll show everybody, but um, yeah, kind of an interesting, kind of an interesting thing, you know? Yeah. So we just wanted to hop on and kind of, I guess, reminisce in a sense and kind of do a quick, short little, yeah. memorial video we'll talk about her memories um i you know, he's I, go ahead bro he's an sorry. interesting and figure and there's a lot of controversy kind of surrounding him as there are for with a all long good, time all good popes are right. controversial <laughs> but you know i i kind of i for this video anyways i just want to stay away from that and just yeah talk about him as the man and, and what we think of him and how we remember him i uh in in my so I know a lot of people who are, who are, you know, really academic theologians and things like that. When they talk about the most influential theologians of the 20th century will give you names like Karl Barth. If they're, you know, if you're a Protestant or actually, even if you're a Catholic, Karl Barth is somewhat influential. And then people like, uh, Oh, who's the guy that everybody that, that all the, the Karl Rahner and all these guys. But I got to tell you, I I've read some of their stuff and like, uh, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know an average person who has that has impacted their lives very much. If you were to ask me who the most influential theologian of the 20th century was, I would have to respond. Joseph Ratzinger, AKA Benedict the 16th, his, his liturgical theology. I was, I, when, when I first heard this thing about like hermeneutic of continuity, and that's not exactly the phrase that he used, although it's a, a pretty good sort of summation of his argument. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And then I really read his stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I thought this guy is a liturgical theologian who is ahead of his time. And that's why no one can really understand what he's, I mean, I, I don't want to say that I've got the key or anything, but I'm, yeah. I'm just saying like, I think there's a bunch of us who get it when we read his theology and we read his, we, we read his liturgical thoughts. I mean, he, don't forget he was, he was at Vatican II and not just as like a spectator. He was there as the pit. He was one of the lead. Petty wanna, right. Yeah. And a lot of the documents that made their final versions into that uh, council, he was one of the lead architects of a lot of that stuff and particularly some more uh, um, um, Sacrosanctum Concilium. And so I really do think that his his theological chops are without debate in my opinion. And, and I think he's probably one of the, if not the greatest theologian of the liturgical theologian of the 20th century. 
in my opinion. I don't know. I could be wrong. You know, that was one of the the first things that struck me um, when he was elected. You know, that was back in 2005, and I was, oh, I had to be 16, something, mm-hmm. or, you know, somewhere along there. So I had not really, you know, I heard of him prior to that. I wasn't familiar with him, his history. Um, but upon, you know, him being elected and starting to get to know him you realize that this you know he was an entirely different uh different sort of person than um than john paul you know Mm. he was he wasn't the rock star uh that you know john paul always seemed to be um what's a good way of describing him you know he just he uh you could tell that there was he had he had a depth to him right that was oh yeah different when you sit like sometimes you sit down with people and they're not instantaneously the most charismatic people on earth, but you can tell there's a brain in there that is just vast, right? You, you, you've met people like that in your life. Oh, right? yeah. And, and I have, too. And Benedict XVI struck me as and see what's so interesting is he yeah, he is. He was a big brain type dude. He was a very and, and he could get into those arguments with your uh with your carl ronners and your really intricate and complex theologian things like that but he could also break it down for me he could yep. speak in a plain language that was still um uh, that didn't lose the the crux of what it was he was trying to say but he could present it to a person like me and that is a difficult skill you can't teach that almost i mean you either mm. have like that or you don't you know um uh- so for for everyone watching the video, not only can you pray for Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, but also pray for Marion, who uh, just recently passed away too. Indeed, eternal rest granted to her, Lord, may perpetual light shine upon her, and may her soul and all the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. Amen. Um, in my opinion, Samorum Pontificum was one of is is still remains one of the greatest liturgical documents ever to come out of the the chair of peter directly um, yeah. i put it i put it right up there with uh with uh, pius the 12th's uh, uh document on uh, liturgical reform and i mean it's it's up there it's a it's a it's a fantastic and amazing document when you really dig into the theology of it and the things that he says in there um and i felt like benedict was the first high-ranking, well, he, I don't know if he was the first, but he was the most openly high-ranking prelate that took the abuse crisis seriously. Yeah. And that's not, to, that's not to denigrate John Paul II, because, man, when you're Pope, who knows what you, you you're told how things are, because you can't go out and sit in the parish in, and find out what's going on. You're told. And if you in, get bad you know, information, you get bad info. But when did, you know, that really hit in what, 02? Yeah, about that time, yeah. John Paul was not, I mean, his last right. years were, he, he, he was a no, he yeah. didn't have the capability to deal with it. Yeah. And I felt like he took, he took it seriously. He took our concerns about it seriously. And I, I could be wrong about this, but I just got this feeling like some more pontificum came out because he was like, you know, we owe the lay people this, we owe them mm. this. We, we screwed up big time. We owe them 
the a, a, a mass that they have every right to, by the way. And we're going to give them some more in Pontificum because we owe them that. And Rob, they couldn't even let us have that. All right, I'm not gonna. It's <sighs> for a different show. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, one um, of the things that that's cool that I that when I you know when I did my breviary unboxing, the entire yeah. letter of Samorum Pontificum Wasn't in Latin there. and English is in this volume. That is so cool. Yeah. I've never seen it in Latin before. Not that I read it in Latin or anything, but you know, <laughs> I just thought that was pretty cool. You know, one of the, I guess. One of one of my regrets is uh, I was away from the church for the vast majority of his pontificate. Mm. You know, so I more or less stopped. Uh, when I say away from the church, I more or less just wasn't a practicing Catholic. You know, from basically like late two thousand seven, well through the rest of his pontificate. So, you know, like the only. Th- thing i really remember about his pontificate besides his election and stuff is like the regensburg address and the you know the huge uh controversy surrounding that so i was in college when that happened and i was really good friends with a a young man from senegal whose name was uh mustafa mustafa was a practicing muslim very devout guy right he took his religion seriously he understood i took my religion pretty seriously but we were friends um and Mm -hmm. but an understanding that we 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 disagreed he neither he nor i were part of this all religions are the same crap we didn't (laughs) right um and our professor and we were in college that day so our professor of history of christian thought he was just incensed that benedict had claimed that the catholic religion was the one true religion how dare he say something like that and to my surprise mustafa raises his hand he says he is he i won't do the accent he's from from senegal you know he says he says uh he's the pope of the catholic church correct he says yeah he says mustafa says what religion did you think he was gonna say was the one true religion i don't what he couldn't figure out what the big surprise was about right because as a as a muslim yeah and so the professor says well you know, you're a Muslim and you would never say that your religion was the truth to the exclusion of everyone else's. And Mustafa went, uh, that's where you're wrong, chief. I actually do say that. I say that all the time. And I really do believe that. And, and, and then he pointed to the crucifix that was up upon the door. I went to Loyola university and he said, and by the way, you, you not only have a picture of an Islamic prophet, you have a three-dimensional sculpture of him. I tolerate it every day, but it still drives me crazy. I thought that was hilarious, but anyway, (laughs) Um, yeah, so the, the, the Muslims that I knew were not incensed or offended by this. They were like, yeah, well, that's to be expected. You know, they, they thought he was wrong and he wasn't, but, um, yeah, I don't know why that was so, <laughs> I don't know why that was so controversial. Like he's the Pope yeah. of the Catholic church. What religion did you think he was going to say was the one true religion? <laughs> when, when was the Regensburg address? That was, oh, gosh, that was like 2011 or maybe 10. I don't know. It was like is up there 2006 oh okay it's 2006 i thought it was so yeah that's that's probably why so i was yeah i was still in high school so i was still you know practicing at that time yeah um why yeah see did were you were you around for some more in pontificum were you part of that or no you weren't a latin mass guy yet right no it's funny because i the that was in 2007 
Mm-hmm. Um, the parish I grew up in, the parish I was going to, had a Latin mass, an indult mass, and mm-hmm. had had it my whole life. So, um, no, I don't remember some more pontificum. I didn't know about it at all until coming back, you know, in 2019. Um, gotcha. But it, it would, you know, I guess it's probably because my parish, it wasn't a big deal for my <coughs> parish because they Excuse had me. the Latin mass anyways. Right. Right. Well, I'd been, you know, I I bounced around the country for a while, so I'd, I'd been one of those roaming roaming Catholics for like a long time, and, <laughs> and <laughs> so you know whether or not you could get a Latin Mass was always a, it's always an issue. And back in those days, the internet, I mean, the Latin Mass internet community wasn't great, so you could even you could. I don't know if you remember Latin Mass magazine, and that was actual hard copy magazine that would come uh, out. And in the back, they had listed all the Latin Masses around the country, so it was a real rigmarole just to go to a Latin Mass. But that I felt like Samorum Pontificum for the first time not only thawed the relations of them to us, but us to them a little bit as well. For the first time, I I heard Latin Mass going Catholics say, "Yeah, the Novus Ordo." is a valid liturgy and I don't attend it, but I can respect people who do. And I mean, there was a little bit, there was a thawing of relations um, there that I just felt like Samoran Pontificum was a, an, an amazing document with a lot of wisdom behind it. I hope that its provisions return to presiding law, but you know, that's, that's beyond my, that's above my pay grade, I think. So I do have something I do want to share. Yeah, um, yeah. This is this is so. This really is cool. pretty cool. Okay, so for it those is. of for those of you who have never heard this story, uh, I was a novice in the Legion of Christ. I know uh, that's a whole story in and of itself, um, and that's actually where I became a traditional Latin Mass guy when I started studying liturgy and the history of the Roman liturgy, and it did not go over with my superiors at all. But anyway, um, one of the things that that happens to you in the in the legion although it probably doesn't happen anymore but this is back in the days when uh marcel maciel was running the legion of christ all your mail comes already opened uh it's such a it's like a it's like a totalitarian thing but in the constitutions uh, of the of the order there were exceptions to that and one of the exceptions is any mail to or from the holy see so you could send sealed mail to any of the, the the curial offices or the Holy Father himself and receive mail sealed. Um, and so I would write random letters to the curia just so I could get sealed mail because I was that guy. Anyway, um, one of the, so when Benedict the Sixteenth, I'm sorry, when Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger was elected dean of the College of Cardinals. This has got to be sometime in 97 or 98 or something like that. I wrote him a letter just congratulating him just because I was that bored novice who was like, I'm going to buck the rules. It's weird. I didn't make it. I wouldn't have made a good priest at all. But <laughs> You know, when you get to know, when you get to know Mark better, this is such a Mark move. This right story here. makes total sense. Yeah, you'll get it, right? Because, and then, so I, and, and of you know, I never expect to get anything back. He's Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger. He is probably the second most powerful Catholic prelate in the world, other than the Holy Father himself. He's the Pope's yeah. right-hand theologian. So he's not going to, he's going to have an assistant or an aide write me a letter back saying the Cardinal appreciates your sentiments or something like that. 
I get this in the mail. Let's see if I can. Brother Mark Robertson, NLC, that means novice, Legion of Christ, okay? Apostolic nunciature. I said, no. That that sucks. What what why does the apostolic nunciature writing me? <laughs> You're like, oh, what did I do? I know, right? <laughs> so then I flipped over in the back and I see, I don't know if you can see this, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger. And there is his personal address okay taped on there and i went no way and i open it up and here's this and i will open the card here it says and it, the um well okay so here's the the card and then if you can kind of see That's there is his signature, signature handwritten signature and the the card is a Christmas card, and it's it's only in Latin and German. Uh, but basically, it says, uh, "As we celebrate the birth of the Lord this year, qui ultimus est in preparando." Uh, uh, as we prepare for the ultimate jubilee, bismillenario of the second millennium, uh, the incarnation of the Son of God calls us to renewal and to make manifest in our intentions the will of the father and uh, mary's fiat cognoscere et in vita nostra etiam facere valemos let us call to mind our new life as i don't i like that's about the best i can do <laughs> but anyway pretty impressive still that's the best i'm not going to read the german part but anyway um, no. yeah so i still have this and I just thought that that was this cardinal, this prefect of the sacred congregation for the doctrine of the faith. Somebody ran him my letter, a novice in Cheshire, Connecticut, a nobody in the Catholic church. And he wrote me a Christmas card. That's pretty cool. And that is probably one of my greatest, uh, and, and yeah, I also used to get letters from the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith written to my superior saying, hey, tell your novice to quit writing us letters. I, I used to get those, too. <laughs> anyway. How many how many letters have you sent to your bishop in the, in the last few years? Oh, no. I, oh, no. None, <laughs> no. I have no complaints. I'll tell you what, Cardinal DiNardo is such a great – I mean, I don't know him personally, but he's – I have no complaints, not that my complaints would mean anything anyway, and right. God didn't put me in charge of the diocese, so who cares? But I'm saying I think he's been very fair with us, especially in, in light of recent you know, uh, developments and the liturgy wars and everything like that. He did, he took um, Traditionis Custodis for what it was, but he didn't shut us down over at Regina, the, the fraternity parish here in town. He right. restricted its use, this use of Santiquior in several places, but uh, there are diocesan TLMs. There is the uh, Regina Chaley is here. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're plugging along. I don't have any complaints to our Bishop, but yeah, those were, those were the nineties were a weird time for me. <laughs> <laughs> troublesome novice. Sounds like an idea. I would a, a, a I, cautionary yeah, tale. A cautionary <laughs> tale, indeed, it was. 
Indeed it was. Oh. See, I was always, I was under the impression up until that time that it was called the Tridentine Latin Mass because the Council of Trent wrote this mass just like Vatican II wrote the Novus Ordo. I thought that at the time, I thought that's what ecumenical councils did. You could read an ecumenical council to write a new mass because that's the marketing that that's behind tridentine right that's that's what that's all about i think but anyway come to find out as i began to study the liturgy that none of that was true and i would go over with my superiors and they would tell me that i was destroying my vocation that i was being a bad novice that i wasn't none of their explanations made any sense to me um believe it or not i actually got out of the legion over things that didn't have anything to do with what Marcel Maciel was doing. We didn't find out any of that stuff until I was well out of the Legion. But um, yeah, I, I got out mostly because uh, I was not a very good <laughs> novice. Number one, I wouldn't have made a good priest. That's for sure. Uh, you know, and I, I had some pretty decent vocations directors who were telling me this is not, this is not your calling. Right. But so, yeah, that's the way you it know, goes. Off subject and kind of completely unrelated to, to this, but, were you surprised when those when when it came to light about uh yeah well yes and no in, in a sense i was because we we the rumors were out there but you know i as a 18 19 year old kid basically i had been told oh those are all just lies and malicious yeah, right. rumors and enemies of the church and things like that and i believe that that made sense to me because i was really naive and then when it all came out that it was all true, I was more angry with myself for believing like there was so much lot, evidence. The, how how yeah. did where there's smoke, there's fire. They're all lying. All 27 of these accusers who don't know each other all got together and told the same story. That doesn't make any sense, man. And so in a certain sense, I was angry that I had believed it. So I got a little wiser about um, that. And I a little more to, cynical very cynical. I, I, it, it did lead me away from the church for a long time because I'd begun to believe that holiness was a scam and that, um, everybody, you know, who you believe is a holy person is really just making it up and it's all, you know, BS and everything like that. I fell victim to the classic error of making somebody else other than Christ, my model of holiness. And for any listeners out there, I'm here to tell you, if you make anybody other than Jesus Christ your model of holiness, you are setting yourself up for massive disillusionment, period, period. He is the only exemplar. He is, the, I mean, Our Lady, of course, but Our Lady, to the extent that she perfectly right. imitates Christ. Yep. So in a sense, even if you're imitating Our Lady, you're imitating Christ. So that's... I mean, that... Yeah. That goes for all the saints, right? They're right. They're different facets of, yeah, uh, you know, different reflections of Christ. And and in particular, though, but even with the other saints, like you could read, you'll read instances of the lives of other saints in which you'll be like, Saint Ignatius of Loyola did that. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> there was once they weren't born saints. It's a oh. lifelong process, and so. Like, that's the only thing where I say, okay, our lady obviously is different in that she is, she is the perfect imitation of Christ. So, yep. you know, you could, you could say that our lady can be your model of holiness because she imitates Christ perfectly. So that's a little bit different even than the other saints, but like, yeah, man, it, it, it really, uh, <clears throat> it made me when I finally did come back to 
the Catholic Church. It made me uh, have a much more crystal, crystallogically central view of the church uh, versus making it about other people. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, no, definitely. I mean, I think, uh, I think in this day and age, everyone could, uh, could benefit from that. Right. Like we concentrate too much on, um, the personalities, the personalities and, and whether or not they're doing good things, bad things, whatever. And yeah, I, I, so for those of you who don't know the story, I mean, I, I was under the impression that Marcel Maciel was a living saint. Not only was he not a living saint, he was the worst one out of all of the, I mean, there is not a single case that came out of that archdiocese in Boston that compares to the depravity that Marcel Maciel committed. I mean, it's, it, it, you can't even, It'll shake you, man, because you're like, how could I have been so wrong? I mean, he's he's up there probably worse than McCarrick even. I, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. For sure. Uh, you know, McCarrick was an evil SOB, but Marcel Maciel was he was a psychopath and a collar. I mean, this yeah. guy not only abused mean- his seminarians, he fathered several children with several concubines around the world and then abused his children yeah while he was pilfering money and snorting cocaine and doing methamphetamine i mean you can't you name it that's what he did do you put any um any stock into the the rumors of i don't know if you've heard the stories surrounding his death like uh um i know he died here i know he died here in houston which is weird (laughs) That he, more or less that he was presenting like signs of of possession and like refused last rites and things mm, like that. No, Keep I it. haven't heard any of that. But I forget where me. I forget where I heard that. But yeah, I hear that he he refused last last rites basically. Yeah, I mean, I met him on several occasions, and somewhere here I have. Oh, I've got a photograph here. If you'll permit me for one second, I will show you a photograph that'll give you chills. Give me a second. Okay. We'll, uh... keep talking though don't don't make dead <laughs> air because we're gonna hear it from anthony yeah okay yeah for if for anyone wondering where anthony is anthony is uh he's on vacation with his wife um for new year's they are snowboarding so um we're kind of running a little audition here because we figure you know anthony in his uh advancing age may or may not return from a snowboarding trip um either that or he will you know, anger his wife or someone enough to where he gets himself allegedly murdered. So uh, I figured we'd run a little audition here for a new co-host and figure we'd give a uh, Mark a shot here. Um, so hopefully this doesn't take too long because unlike Anthony, I can't just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Uh, plus I don't have nine brothers and sisters to regale you all with stories of so here he is that's good because i was literally running out of things to say he, yeah he probably okay. well, i don't know he <laughs> might be sleeping right now but uh gosh i had to destroy all these <laughs> so there's there's me meeting father marcial maciel at a conference i don't know see it's so hard to make these out you can't really this is nah. this is, 
Yeah, there's me meeting him again at another time, but that's not the one. I, that's not the one that like I when as soon as I saw it, I flipped out. Oh my gosh, you guys are gonna love this. A young a young Mark Robertson in a cassock with his mom, both his mothers. Look how young I was. Oh my goodness, I was a kid. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, somewhere in here there is a picture of me receiving communion from Marcel Maciel. Uh and it like it it bothers me. Oh yeah, there it is, in fact. And there I there I am receiving communion from Marcel Maciel, LC. Hmm. Scumbag in a collar. Um yeah, it'll shake your faith. I don't know how we got off on this. because uh, we're supposed to be talking about Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger. But anyway, but you know who was the one guy in the Vatican? See, Angelo Sedano, who was the Secretary of State under John Paul II, was a big friend of the Legion. Big friend. And so when stories would come out, he was the interceptor. It would never get to John Paul II because mm. Angelo Sedano would intercept. And the person he was intercepting from was Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger because all those stories came to his desk. And that's why the minute Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger became the Pope, that was it for Marcel Maciel. He went right into retirement. They shut him down quick, fast, and in a hurry. He died before uh, Benedict was able to defrock him. Yeah. 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 You know, it's it's one of those, uh, that right there is that, small little example is i don't think people realize like how political so much of what happens at the vatican is and like oh yeah man. you know the the you know people will will criticize popes for not doing things when they like you said that that information may never have gotten to them and then you know like with that information going to pope benedict I bet there was a lot of people working against his election because he held all the dirt on so many people. You know, oh, I'm sure. That, things of yeah. that nature. Well, I, 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 and I know I don't have any proof of this. I just basic, I just base this on what I know about how the Vatican works. I honestly think Pope Francis was talked into Traditionis Custodes. I think somebody got in his ear about this because I read Traditionis Custodes. I read Desiderio Desideravi. I read the accompanying letter, and I'm like, this guy doesn't know much about this stuff. He's not really interested in the liturgy wars. Why is he doing this? Well, it turns out one of his advisors is a lay theologian at the Pontifical Gregorian University. Imagine that. And he has had a bug up his butt about the Latin mass for like 20 years. He never shuts up about it. And I'm like, man, if you've got that guy whispering in your ear 24 hours a day and, you know, it's not like you can just check out and go sit in the back of a local FSSP parish to find out what's really going on. When you're the Pope, you all you got is the information people give you. You're in a walled yeah. and and it is the loneliest job on earth. There, there is nobody. When you're a cardinal, you can at least go to your brother cardinals and be like, huh, "Being a cardinal sucks, huh?" Yeah, man, it's not too great. You know this. That, who are you going to commiserate with when you're the pope? Yeah. And everybody, all your all your inner circle, okay, are the, are as cunning as a rattlesnake and as ambitious as Lucifer himself. You trust them. You you hire a food taster, and even your food taster, you better watch closely. <laughs> I mean, history is it, the stories of the Vatican. It's a two thousand year old example of treachery and danger. You know, 
we well, always like yeah, to I see... mean, e even in modern times, yeah. it's likely that the attempt on JP2's life was probably financed by the Kremlin. <laughs> yeah, probably. And how did he get that close? How did he know where to be? How did he know? How, how, do you know how hard it is to get somebody, you know, some somebody was uh, in the inside was helping him out. There are cardinals. There are high-ranking cardinals that it's known that they helped uh, Nazis escape justice at the end of World War II. So while St. Maximilian Colby is starving to death in that bunker, there's high-ranking red hats in Vatican that are helping out the Nazis. Doesn't, well, doesn't, doesn't well, blow my mind. Time, uh, Pius XII, you know, was working to save the Jews. Yeah, he, yeah, he was under him, working against them. I mean, yes, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I've talked to people about this, and they've asked me about you know the, the, the horrible person <laughs> who have inhabited the Catholic Church from time to time. And I guess my explanation. Is, goes right down to our ecclesiology. When we talk about the Catholic Church, uh, St. Paul describes the Church as the body of Christ. In the Catholic Church, we have this phrase called the mystical body of Christ, right? G the Catholic Church essentially is Jesus Christ extended in time and space. And like, like Jesus, it has a human element and it has a divine element. The divine element is spotless, pure, holy, mystical, radiant, beautiful in every single way. Um, the human element of the church, unfortunately, is Judas Iscariot's from top to bottom, and I include myself in that as well. Um, and that's that's the reality of the Catholic Church. It's not any newer today. If you go back and read the, the Catholic epistles in the Bible, the epistles of Peter and, and, and James and these guys, and they talk about beware of the false prophets among you, uh -huh. read what their complaints are. And you'll be like, Oh my goodness, they could have written this today. It's the same stuff. It's all about sex. And it's all about people who are trying, Hey, you know, we just got to open our minds a little bit, man. <laughs> it's the same. It's, it's the same as it was in the first century as, as uh -huh. it is today. The telltale signs are always there. Look for the guy who's always like, you know, we just need to relax our sexual norms a little bit. Watch out for that guy. I mean, all the Catholic epistles in the Bible will tell you, watch out for that guy. Watch out for the guy who's always trying to get as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> watch out for the guy who always seems to want to be around your kids all the time and invite the kids to sleepovers. Kick that guy out. I mean, the stories are all there. It's not different today than it was back then. We just think it is. Yeah. What um, what was your initial reaction to news of his resignation? Oh man, that one! I was so angry. I was angry. I and you know to this day I'm a, I'm a little angry about it. But I understand there. When we're talking about the Catholic Church, we are talking about a a, a mystical institution that exists in heaven and on earth. Actually, even in purgatory. Yeah. Um, and I guess if you wanted to talk about hell, you could talk about the hell as the church defeated. Although I don't like that. No, yeah. I don't like that terminology. So I don't go there. I mean, I think in a theological sense, you might be able to make that argument, but that's very nuanced stuff anyway. So this all stuff happens above my pay grade. It's not, nobody calls to check in with me. Hey, Mark, should, should I resign? It's never going to happen. <laughs> Um, and it ain't, you know, it never should happen because my opinion doesn't matter, but yeah, I was very angry about that. I felt like that was, I felt like at what point are we going to start 
treating evil are we going to stop treating evil like they're the harlem globetrotters and we're the team the harlem globetrotters play it's our job to lose fumble around and look really stupid while we do it so that they can look like rock star when are we going to stop doing that i just don't you know this whole deal where we just give evil the benefit of the doubt every time and they go <laughs> all right you know they're they're willing they're perfectly willing to play that game forever and i just wonder at what point are we going to wise up and go yeah maybe we don't need to go out of our way to give evil as many bites at the apple as they can possibly get i felt like we were on the 10 yard line and then our quarterback just stood up handed the ball to the other team and then went and sat down with his whole o-line sitting out there going what are we done I don't know. That was the way I felt about it. I hope I'm wrong. If, yeah, if you discount, you know, the possibilities of blackmail or threat or, you know, any, any sort of underhanded motivation for why he may have resigned. Um, why do you think he might've done it? I mean, to me, it, he, I don't know. You know, he, I know he was, he was close with his brother. Mm -hmm. um who just passed away in the last year or two right right two three years maybe yeah so you know like you were like you were saying earlier the the papacy is such a lonely job and you know i, I don't know if he just wanted more time to spend to himself with his brother he just seemed to me like the kind of guy who liked solitude but not in like the lonely sense he you know he wanted to sit around and read is what it felt like to me you know what i mean like i definitely think, think i definitely think there's a portion of that i also think that he recognized in himself that so you gotta you gotta think like john paul ii was he reigned for something like 35 years and not only that but he was a giant of a man i mean yeah media presence theological chops philosophy very tidy said splendor very tidy splendor is still one of my favorite encyclicals i mean that 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 letter changed my life it changed the way i look at at catholic moral teaching and it was written by a brilliant philosopher named carl voitiva aka pope john paul the second pope saint john paul the second and i think in a certain sense, Benedict XVI felt like he was a poor, he was filling the shoes of the fishermen poorly. He was not a media rock star. Media hated him because he was conservative. What they yeah. thought politically, they, he was, they felt like he was allied with political conservatism. So, of course, the media hated him. And all they would talk about is he was a former Nazi. And I was like, he grew up, he was a child in the Third Reich. They were all former Nazis in the Third Reich. You, you know, you had to be, or you, or you yeah, he was an eight year old Nazi. Come on. Um, but like, I think he felt like I'm, I'm doing, I'm not doing a good job here. I'm getting old. I don't really have a lot of allies left. And I don't think he ever wanted to be Pope. Nobody wants to be Pope, I guess. Right. Um, well, yeah, nobody who should be Pope wants to be Pope. I'll put it to you that way. Um, and I felt like I took his, I took his reasons at face value. I think that they were a little naive considering where he's worked his whole life. I think he should have known. Yeah, man, I, it might, might be tempting, but don't do that. But 
you know, again, I don't know everything. I don't know why right. things happen the way they happen. And God don't have to check with me before uh, things happen the way they happen. I'm, I'm just along for the ride on this. This thing we call the Catholic Church, this this mystically frustrating, messy family that we're all involved in here that, um, yeah. you know, that that is the mystical bride of Christ, that one day her true beauty, her true, her, the true fullness of her truth will be revealed to us. And we will all have, myself, the first one, will have felt really stupid for ever having questioned the process. But, you know, one thing I, I put together a little photo slideshow right mm -hmm. and as i'm going through these photos of benedict um you, i notice that the photos of him since the resignation he he's always smiling yeah whereas whereas in in photos before his papacy sometimes he would smile too but um he just seemed i guess happier after after his resignation oh i'm sure he was um so i, I think it was a, a huge weight off of him which only makes sense right <laughs> yeah and it's difficult because like <clears throat> john paul ii was he had uh the pastoral chops and the theological chops a pope like that comes along once in a great 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 while and we all got the the mentality after 35 years oh okay well this is just what the modern popes are all going to look like they're all going to be like right. john paul ii so you know. yeah because half the catholics at that time had to not know another pope yeah, no, I I, he was it. he was the only he, I, I he John Paul II received his pontificate one month to the day before I was born. Yeah. So th this conclave that elected Benedict was the first thing like that I'd ever lived through. I was 35, 36 years old, something around then. And, um, you know, then then comes Benedict XVI, who has the theological chops, but he hasn't had much pastoral work. I think he was an archbishop of an actual diocese for like, what, two years? And then, you know, went right into the curia. And he was always an academic. And and he felt like that. And mm -hmm. then you've got Francis, who, in my opinion, has the pastoral background, but doesn't have the theology chops that necessary to do the job. And, you know, again, this is just an outsider looking in, but I read... I, I read uh, Francis's liturgy, liturgy documents. I read his traditions, custodes, and everything, and I just thought, "Wow, he really doesn't know a lot about this this topic." Nor it almost seems like he doesn't really care about it that much. I mean, if you, if you cared about it that much, you would have read up. He didn't even have the arguments that the uh, concilio people had after vatican ii right those those two camps that were arguing about vatican ii the concilio and the communio camps yeah and the concilio's arguments were were such and such and such and i was like well he doesn't really even seem familiar with those that much this almost seems like something he's doing to get somebody off his back about this and and then you notice after decidido decidiravi he hasn't touched the subject at all when the when the fraternity came to the vatican and asked him, well, what's going on with us? He basically just kind of looked at and said, oh, well, yeah, this doesn't really apply to you guys, do. so <laughs> do, do keep doing what you're doing. He doesn't care about this, I don't think. In fact, to my recollection, Traditionis Custodes was the very first time I'd ever noticed that Francis had even written anything about Vatican II at all, pro, against, whatever. He doesn't care so much about this, which is weird because when you compare 
um, Frank, uh, Benedict XVI and John Paul II, they were both deeply involved in the Second Vatican Council. All of their theology was based around their interpretation of that council, and it was a very big deal to them. And Francis just sort of never really talked about Vatican II until Traditionis Custodes. Now all of a sudden he's got an opinion, and it's like, I feel like I, I could be wrong. I felt like he was talked into it, and I and I guarantee you that whoever talked him into it said, this is an insignificant number of people. They don't have any power. They don't have anything in the church. Nobody's going to care. Mm-hmm. Nobody told Francis that, yeah, you're going to get op-eds in the New York Times, <laughs> the Wall Street Journal, the entire internet's going to blow up against you. Try to see on this custodian. And, was a and huge, two years later, was or a, a year and a half Huge later. failure, I believe, for Francis. I think he knows that. I think if he had that one to do over again, he would do that. And my gut tells me that in somewhere in his mind, he's like, okay, I was lied to about that. That goes in the little ledger. I'm going to keep my little... You know, I, I don't know. It's just something I know about how the Vatican works. The Vatican is, a, I mean, you'd rather deal with the mafia because at least they have rules about who they kill and who they, you know, who's allowed to get killed and beat up and all that. Anything. These red hats, they, ha- they have no rules. Most of them serve one master and it is not our Lord Jesus Christ. You better believe that. You know, I don't, um, boom, hard to say at the end. <laughs> Yeah, Benedict <laughs> might have some anxiety disorder that made things more difficult. Yeah, that's true too. In you know, I don't point. know if he did or didn't, but he, until he was elected, he he was always very influential. But it was always in this like background. He was always in the background, you know, almost sort of a a functionary sort of role, right? And he was brilliant, clearly, and he was he was good at that sort of stuff. It mm-hmm. just seemed like he was shoved out in front of the spotlight and didn't want it he was a curia guy he was a curia guy and yeah. curio cardinals um are you know highly educated very bureaucratic they know how the machinery works around there um <laughs> one of the things if you think that the the tratty community has a problem with pope francis you you got nothing on the curia cardinals he francis reorganizes the curia he'll reorganize the curia about 15 times by the end of this sentence Nobody over there knows who they work for anymore. Nobody knows what their dicastery. Nobody (laughs) knows what their dicastery is in charge of anymore. Nobody knows who reports to who anymore. And that little group of people, that little clique, make no mistake, that's who really runs the conclave. It's not, I mean, cardinals come from all over the world, but that little group that runs the curia, they're in the driver's seat at the conclave and I I would love to be a fly uh, on the wall at the next. I mean, there's fight. a reason why since more since the Renaissance, basically, there's only been two popes elected outside of the Curia, and it was right. JP two and Francis. Yeah. Other yeah. than uh, you know, and then besides, so you have a pole and an Argentinian. Ratzinger was in the Curia. He was German, but other than though, other than that, it's all been Italians in the Curia since the Renaissance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and I think that. So uh, my my personal prediction, my personal take on Benedict XVI's retirement and the election of Francis is that the number one issue on the mind of the Curia, of the cardinals in the conclave at that time was the sex abuse scandal. 
and how we look in the media, which is not good right now. And so their feeling is we need another media darling to get us out of this mess, to get everybody thinking about it. See, these guys are all about the, they don't care about the kids who got abused. They care about how bad it made them look. When you're dealing with sociopaths here, these are not people who have a lot of empathy and, and capacity for regret. And I'm not saying that all Cardinals are like that, but I am saying there is a significant number who are, and we can't be naive to that anymore. And so their mentality was here is this guy from Latin America. He doesn't have any, at least not any, we can find sex abuse stuff going on either for him personally or anyone under his charge. The last time we went with an outsider that ended up being John Paul II, and that worked out great. What do we got to lose? Again, the same mentality I think that the rest of us had. This is just what modern popes look like. They're all going to be like John Paul II, and you know, at worst, they'll be like Benedict XVI, who was still a, a great pope. He just wasn't up to the job. Well, I, I, I wonder if all those same cardinals don't have even just a little bit of buyer's remorse on some of this <laughs> stuff. I'm, I'm, but again, you asked for we'll my find, opinion. I'll give we'll you find my out opinion. The, and that's we'll what find out is. on the next clon- conclave, right? I would, I would pay someone to be a similar than. I would pay to be a fly on the wall. I don't know. I'd rather not. I think fist. I think there's going to be fisticuffs, man. I think this next one, because see, like normally you just kind of go along with what everybody else is doing. You know, it's because it, it, like the the college you, of Cardinals saying, is uh, defined by collegiality. Are you saying Burke should start taking steroids and get himself ready to start working out, man? Get limber. Get to put limber. a smack down on. Get limber, Cardinal Cardinal Sarah. Hit the hit the bag, bro. Hit the bag. Let's go. Um, but I think I think there's going to be at least some shouting matches because the the factions have formed. Yeah, and they're clearly pretty well defined. And I know everybody thinks that the big faction is pro Francis in the college. I wouldn't be so sure about that. I don't know, I, I but think you never know. Big- I think the big faction is people who are just tired of having their lives made difficult. <laughs> I, I I think that's true too. I think there were a lot of cardinals who are archbishops who, when Traditionis Custodis came out, they were like, everything was going just fine. Why are you going to make me pick a fight with these people? Yeah. Now I got to go pick a fight. Now I'm going to have 20 women, uh, in a procession in veils praying the rosary out in front of my chancery 24 hours a day now. And they're going to call the media and they're going to, please don't make me do this. <laughs> These tradies are crazy. Please don't. They're going to start podcasts, which, uh, which we did. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, Hey, what's up, Angela? I see you. Um, I hope that, uh, his passing from us, uh, is a reminder to us of all the great things that he did while he was alive. Obviously I, I, in terms of the prefect of the sacred congregation of the doctrine of the faith, he was the hammer. He was the hammer, man. He, He shut that. He would, he would condense the nonsense as we say. And I think, I think we got this impression of him that he was a, you know, a hard fighter, 
a hard theological fighter that he was out to, you know, help us defeat the modernists and all this, that, and the other thing. When I think really all he was doing was doing his job as prefect of the office. He wasn't out to have a fight or anything like that. So I think when he found himself in the middle of all these fights, he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not the guy for this. Mm. And maybe he's more right than we are on that one. I don't know. <clears throat> You know, I said we wanted to try to stay away from this, but this is an interesting question yeah. here. Yeah, that is a good uh, question. So for those who, who aren't aware of what he, what Brandon means by Pope Vigilius is um, there was a Pope, I forget what time frame exactly, but there's Pope Silverius who was illegally deposed by the Eastern Roman Emperor and the emperor then installed Vigilius as an anti-pope. But then Silverius died in exile. And even though Vigilius was up to that point an anti-pope, the church then as a whole accepted him as pope then. So I hope it doesn't. I hope something like that doesn't happen in the modern era. Can you imagine the chaos if internet had been around during those days? Yeah. Oh, oh. I, I don't know if we'd be here as a human race if internet was around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the way the way humanity, the direction we're going now leads me to believe that are we gonna be here a thousand years from now? Yeah, but, I don't um, know if we'll be here in six months. Who the heck who the heck knows the answer to that? But I don't know. Yeah, that so explain to me the Benny Plantist argument because I, I you'll have to admit me when it comes or forgive me when it comes to like uh you know papal questioning of succession things i'm i'm, I'm i know the vacantists don't believe that there is a pope that the seat is vacant i know right. i understand that but i don't know quite what benny Plantis is so i uh, it's okay brandon we'll touch on it just shortly here um <laughs> i think there's different versions but largely i think what it is is they either believe that he um incorrectly like resigned the papacy like didn't do it correctly so the resignation was invalid or he resigned only um like the the ministry of pope and not the office of pope you know so there's a lot a lot of different versions it's a weird bifurcation don't you think yeah yeah and a lot of people have have talked on that um whether or not that sort of office can even be bifurcated like that but um the more or less they argue that benedict is still pope and that francis then would technically be an anti-pope so you know now that now the question is do they do they see will they see francis as pope now like silverius and vigilius or will they now be another version of sedivic contest I think it'll probably split up into both of those camps. I'm sure. And and a few others, I'm sure too. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I think I, to me all, and I could be wrong, but to me, all of that seems unnecessary. I mean, can't you just say, I mean, isn't it easier to say that? Yeah. Francis is the Pope and he's not my favorite Pope. I don't like the Pope personally. I mean, why is it, why is one of the prerequisites for you to be a valid Pope, somebody that Mark would go and have a beer with? Who cares I, what I could have had a beer with I Benedict. Think? Yeah, who cares what I think? You know, why is that so well, in order for him to be the pope, he's got to be somebody I like. Who the heck are you? 
No, nobody care what you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just think, you know, it's easier to say that. Uh, and by the way, I'm perfectly willing to accept that if I, when I die and hopefully if I'm admitted to the ranks of the saints, that God may tell me, Hey, yeah, by the way, try to Sanus custodes. I, I inspired him to do that. He was right. And you were wrong. I'm fine with that. That's fine. I, I will accept. I'm not going to argue. Who am I going to argue with God? I'm going to say, fair enough. I accept that. This is bigger than me. <laughs> this whole Catholic church thing is way bigger than me. So, but from where I sit, it does not seem to me like Traditionis Custodes was a good idea. And I have said it before and I'll say it again. I will use all morally licit means at my disposal to resist Traditionis Custodes and the, the philosophy behind that. And, that and, and, and I, and I'm fine going to my grave with that yeah. because I don't, I don't understand how I reconcile, how I reconcile, go out and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost to a motu proprio that says, make sure no new groups dedicated to the liturgy form. I can't do that. I'm sorry. I, I answer to bigger people than Pope Francis. And it actually says in that document, take care to make sure that no new groups form. No new group. I don't know what he means by groups necessarily, but I assume based on the text of the letter, he means make sure people stop going to mass. Can't do that. Holy father. I'm sorry. Can't do it. And I, I was that way during the pandemic when they, when we were posted in in front of the parish to check people in. And if you hadn't registered, you can't come to mass. Well, if you came to any mass I was working and you didn't register, you got in because I'm, I, I have bigger people to answer to than the CDC. Sorry. It's the way it is. Well, Mark, it looks like as of right now, Anthony hasn't had a catastrophic accident. <laughs> so, <laughs> what's up, Bubba? Where is he? Why, why isn't he here? He's. Uh, I don't look better than you on screen, Anthony. Big we, liar. We, I, I talked about this while you were looking for your photos. Uh, okay. He's uh, snowboarding. He's on a snowboarding trip. Oh, of course he is. Of yeah. course he is. <laughs> <laughs> what a stud! What a stud! Oh my goodness! So. What was um, what was your like initial like gut reaction to the news this morning? Uh, fear of the Lord. It's a, it, to me the instant reminder is is that we're all going to die. Memento mori. Memento yeah. mori. Yeah, for sure. And I and I I loved Benedict the Sixteenth's official portrait. I don't know if you've seen it, but I have uh, it here. Yeah, it, if you haven't, share it. I, I do, and um, I'm gonna uh, let's see, Pope Benedict. So you didn't actually have it right there. Well, <laughs> uh, poor trip. There we go. Um, you know what, Rob? You, Mark, you want, you. You, you want to you want to fight, bro? Um, okay. <laughs> we couldn't do it, guys. We couldn't oh, go one stream without <laughs> Anthony. That's my boy right there. I am uh, I am in New Hampshire. Oh my God! It's drinking, beautiful. Drinking mimosas. <laughs> of course you are. Why not? Look! Look at this. Ray Ray was right. <laughs> Ray was right. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I woke up so sad when I found out Benedict was gone. Man, it is sad. It's very yeah. Like it's it's so sad, sad, but it's also <laughs> inspiring. What a life well lived, man. But dude, if you I gotta really go face holding... the Lord 
face it as a guy who's done that with done his that life, with and you'll be all right. I was holding out that he was going to be the 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 man dressed in white. We thought it was the Pope from the third secret of Fatima. Come on, everybody mm. was holding out for that. Mm. Mm. Um <laughs> so I, Benedict the sixteenth. Um, I'm trying to share my screen, Rob. There we go. This was his official portrait that he had done when he was the Pope. And in the background is the risen Christ. This is a major that. theme in, in, in a lot of his theological work is the risen Lord, the, the risen body of Christ. Um, and the first thing I thought about when I, um, when, when I heard that he had died is how we're all going to face the risen body of the Lord in our in our glorified bodies, either for punishment or for eternal glory. And, and I just, I thought, well, hopefully I will see him again and I will get to talk to him and, you know, in person, if I'm yeah. lucky enough and blessed to me enough to be counted among the saints. Mark two. <laughs> I, <hate> the- <laughs> I can't believe you just I- caught that. Bro, all I did is I just waited for you guys to get to a thousand follow- followers, and then I snuck in, and then I stole your show. No, the, the funny thing is, Mark this morning says uh, when we were figuring out how they were going to do this, Mark goes, "Can I write? Uh, would you? Would you say?" I said, "I said I'm gonna I'm gonna sign in as new Anthony." New Anthony, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> new Mark. Would have been funny it. if I wrote new Mark. But I, I just made I just made breakfast for my whole family. I made crepes. And uh, I'm drinking mimosas. I'm a little uh, I'm just sad this morning, man. It is sad. It I'm is just sad. sad. Like, I, I don't know. Benedict held, holds a special place in my heart. What's your favorite Benedict the 16th moment? Uh, probably the Regensburg address. Okay. <laughs> you know? Okay. We talked about <laughs> yeah. there Same. for me, you know? Yeah. That one well. I love. Just because he just came right out and said it, you know, it was like, like, uh, that's one of them. But even just, uh, uh, him getting elected, his election, because I had just become Catholic and to see that, like, I just had been learning who Benedict was and finding out he was like the head of the CDF and he was going to be the, like, it was such an excitement in the air. Like yeah. Benedict, no, what we Ratzinger is the Pope. Are you kidding me? And then honestly, how could you not say some more in Pontificum? Yeah. Some more in Pontificum was mind blowing. Like yeah. there's so many things about Benedict that I can say, you know, Huge. but I'm going to let you guys continue on. I wanted to just pop in because first off, I miss you, Mark. Me and Rob I miss you. Day, I miss but... you like a fat kid loves cake. And I know that because I'm a fat <laughs> kid who loves cake. <laughs> Dude, when I get back, I say we do a, yeah. we do a real bad because I really have so many, I have so many things to say about him. Oh, I love it. I love it. If you guys ever want to check out a good book, Joseph Ratzinger Collected Works on Theology of the Liturgy. It is not a light read, but it's accessible. Incredible. Incredible (laughs) stuff. Yeah, he looks entirely different. His lighting lighting is great. (laughs) I came in just to get roasted for a little bit. All right, man. You guys have a good day, man. I'll call call you guys when I get home from my trip. God bless you, Anthony. Later, boys. Don't die. I won't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my good anthony needs to move to texas so mark can complain about new yorkers well well first of all he does need to move to texas 
and on complaining about New Yorkers way ahead of you, Caitlin. I was going to say, I don't think, I don't think Anthony needs to move to Texas so Mark can do that. I think been Mark doing it that. for a hot minute. Uh, every time <laughs> I get stuck in traffic on the six ten loop, all I can think of is stop moving to Houston. Just stop it. <laughs> Stay where you are. Don't call well, us. That's from we'll New York you. or California, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I was, I was sad too when I, when I found out he he passed away, just because it's like it's the great equalizer, man, and. I actually, for the first time, had an ch- opportunity to pray louds in the office of the dead this morning for mm. the whole for the Pope, which is a pretty straightforward. It's a very slim down version of of louds. Um, there's a lot of things that are omitted, and instead of glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost at the end of every psalm, you pray yeah. the requiescant in pace, um, eternal rest granted to them, and perpetual light shine upon yeah. them. So that's pretty interesting, but. Rob, what was your what was your favorite Benedict the Sixteenth moment? Um, I would say it's or also Cardinal the, Ratzinger moment, I guess. Whichever. <laughs> I would say it's also the Regensburg address, um, mm. just because it was like the first like truly openly Catholic. I don't know. It was no nonsense, or, right? It was, yeah, exactly. It was just upfront and honest about what we believe and it was refreshing so um do you remember when bishop Barron had that interview with jordan peterson a while ago and jordan peterson was asking bishop Barron, how come people are selling out to come to my talks about the bible but we can't get people to interested in the catholic church and bishop Barron had various theories about well this maybe it's this maybe it's this that and the other thing but I can tell you what the reason is. The re- and 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 it's it, it, the reason is something that happened to Jordan Peterson in another interview where somebody asked him what gives you the right to be offensive and Jordan Peterson said quite profoundly he said because in order because you can't tell the truth in order to tell the truth you have to risk being offensive. Yeah. And the modern day Catholic hierarchy isn't willing to risk offending anyone for it's, any reason whatsoever. Speaking of Baron it's it's exactly what you know sheila buff said right it's uh benedict wasn't trying to sell us a used car (laughs) there you go that's it he he was just who he was was what it was yeah and i can't help but think that you know if if we i mean you say whatever you want islam i think is the fastest growing religion in the world whether that frightens you mormonism mormonism okay well either way both of of those groups big religions yeah Muslim. They Muslim. act like they're they act like they believe their religion is true. Yeah. I wonder if we did that, might we be the fastest growing religion on earth instead of the incredible shrinking church? Well, the portions of the church that do act like that are definitely are the growing. fastest growing portions of the church. And and the hierarchy is vastly trying to put to stomp that out. And you have to wonder, is that the job? Is is the job there's there's a there's a, a consensus in the Vatican that this this Galilean carpenter continues to say embarrassing things, and he's been embarrassing us for two thousand years. And so what what our job is after he talks, our job is to come back out and sort of be the PR men, and and well now he wasn't serious. You don't really have to eat the body and blood. You know, no, we're, it's not the fullness of truth. Everybody, that's our job is to be his PR men and to floss over all the embarrassing things this this Jew carpenter continues to embarrass us with. 
And I'm sorry. Yeah. I just don't think that that's our job. I, I, I think, I think he's the boss. He is the master. And, you know, when you say something that's embarrassing and everybody runs away from you, I think your job is to look at your disciples and say, well, you also go. You know, it's what it comes down to is, are we going to act like just another international NGO looking for, you know, grants and money from different governments? Or are we going to act like the mystical body of Christ? And with Benedict, we acted like the mystical body of Christ for the most part. And that was that, you know, that was my favorite part of his papacy is, yeah. is we felt like the Catholic church. I agree a hundred percent. And you have to ask yourself, let's assume for just a moment that human beings could solve world hunger. I mean, I know that that embarrassing Galilean carpenter, he said the poor you will always have with you, but let's pretend for a second that we just know better than that guy. And uh, that human beings really can solve world hunger. A complicated problem to be sure, but if we all put our heads together, we can do it. Do you see any evidence, at least in the last 50 years, that the organization to do that is the Roman Catholic Church? Uh, what's the nicest way I can say this, Rob? Probably not. I, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, that's about the Probably nicest Probably not. Okay. Let's stick to what you do, right? You play right. football, hell, play football. If there, you don't know how to, you know. There's different spheres of, you know, and there's different competencies. And the Catholic Church's competency and sphere is to worship God. Yes. That's what we, that's, we have no charism to solve world hunger. Now we do have a mandate to to care for the poor and to right. and to and to serve those who are the least among us to be sure but it's like Christ said the poor you will always have with you because the poor exist because sin exists in the world and if you want to if you want to fight poverty and fight world hunger sanctify That's yourself yep. sanctify yourself you want to get rid of the bad man in the church Start with the one who stares back at you in the mirror every morning, because what goes on in the Vatican is beyond my sphere of influence. I can't do anything about that. I don't. I'm not going to be invited to participate in the next conclave. I'm, I hate to spoil everybody's, you know, whatever. But uh, the one thing I can do is remember to say my rosary every day. That doesn't do anything. You know what? You know, you don't know that. Look at the Battle of Lepanto. The Battle of Lepanto. Boom. Come on, Rob. Come on, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, without the rosary there. Yeah. Sanctify yourself. Because without the, ros without the rosary, all those angry Muslims, you know, from Regensburg wouldn't have had anything to be angry about because they would have, they would have had Europe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Fair point. Yeah. Very, very good point. And I just think that if, you know, if you really want to, uh, there, there's, there's no solving humanity's problem without solving humanity's problem. And humanity's problem is a supernatural problem. Make no mistake about it. I had a priest in confession, a fraternity priest tell me one time, because I was so mad at myself. I was like, why can't I just get my arms around this, this sin that I, I I've been confessing it for forever. And I, I feel like it would be an easy thing to just not do. Why do I keep doing this? And he told me, he said, because you're trying to do it. That's the problem. Don't get it twisted. Your problem is a supernatural problem. And it's the same problem I have, the same problem everybody in this parish has. We all have the same problem. And it's 
and it's an and unnatural it's attraction to evil. Yeah. You have an unnatural attraction to evil and the only way out is Christ. That's it. Yeah. So I, I was humbled when I had heard he had died and I know that one way or the other, my resurrected body is going to be judged either for damnation or by the grace of God, eternal reward. And I just got to think, I, I tell you what, what a holy life he led, at least it appears to me on the only God knows for sure. That was the other thing yeah. I learned from the Marcel Maciel uh, debacle was don't look at people and go, that person's holy. That person's not holy. That person's going to heaven when they die. And that person probably not so much. And don't, don't do that. You don't know anything. <laughs> it is entirely possible that Benedict the 16th, AKA Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger led a secret life that only him and God know about. It's possible. It, it, yeah. I don't think so. At least I don't have any reason to believe that's the case, but yeah, that's possible. I tell my listeners all the time over at Tradman, I, I, I hope to God you will never hear a story about local Catholic podcaster arrested in a Vegas hotel with like 19 prostitutes and a mountain of cocaine. Oh, when you said that, I'm when when you said the word nineteen, I'm thinking he's going to say guns. No, <laughs> oh, I'm like, what? Did the FBI frame Mark for something? <laughs> By the grace of God, I hope that never happens. But if you want to know, am I capable of something like that? Oh yeah, yeah. No, go read your catechism. Don't get it twisted, man. So an old Irish priest once told me the thing about mortal sin is you're better at it than you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Mike, drop. Well, <sighs> I think we could talk about Joseph Ratzinger forever. I mean, he was such a. And I think you guys are going to do a more in-depth show on this. I hope at least that was the talk. I, Hopefully I, one yeah, we can I, have I, Anthony I and Jason and maybe even Angela on. I, I but... agree. I, I, I want to go back and read, you know, some more on Pontificorum, uh, Regensburg address and, and have some of that stuff prepared, but I just wanted to get on quick today and, I hope, well, I, didn't hope I didn't dominate your show. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who, who's watched our show knows knows me well enough to know that I knows me well enough. Can I share something with your audience? Rob, you are one of my favorite people on oh, planet Earth. I'm serious, well, man. You. I'm serious. If you guys, and I don't know if I hope this comes across on the podcast, but I've, I've gotten to know Rob personally and we've met in person and everything like that. He's just one of the warmest individuals you will ever meet in your life. Um, just a great guy, man. I, I, you're really one of my favorite people. Actually, so is Anthony. Um, I, I'm just really incredibly proud of what you guys have done over here at Avoiding Babylon, what you guys have taken this little show um, to be and I'm actually pretty grateful that you let trad men come along for the ride, man. It's been great. We, this channel wouldn't be what it is without you and, and Jason and Angela and, and Connor and, you know, everyone else who is always, always willing to give us, you know, your time. It's, it's, uh, it's really humbling. It's great. So thank you so much, Mark. Well, that's all for the greater glory of God. I mean, if it's not for that, then why bother? What's the right. point? Right? Yeah. 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 So there is uh, a quick little, prayer i saw that i wanted to to say for pope benedict and then um after that uh we'll say a quick hail mary and then uh i have a little memorial slideshow 
but before we do that, do you guys, do you and Jason have anything coming up? Well, uh, Jason is traveling a lot and, and coming out and getting over a, a cold. Uh, and so we haven't, we were going to do a show to wrap up Advent and we, we just never got around to it. Christmas took over and he was sick and everything. So I don't know what's coming up next, but, uh, hopefully by the grace of God, um, we'll, we'll be coming up with some great stuff for you guys. I just don't know what's, what's next exactly. So, yeah. Uh, so for everyone watching this, go over to Tradmen podcast, uh, on YouTube and subscribe, uh, follow them on all your podcast apps, uh, as well too. If you like audio, um, they give us a ton of their a ton of their time, so uh, make sure you follow them and support them. Um, Jason will probably be on with me and Anthony this week to review the Chosen uh, episode four, which comes out tomorrow. Mark, of course, you're welcome to join too if you end up watching the episode. So sure, yeah, we'd love to. Um, we'll get back to trivia sometime. I don't know about this week, maybe next week, but uh, yeah. So I have a quick prayer here, and then we'll say an Ave. Okay. Uh, and we'll uh, then end with that slideshow. So, Anamana Patris et Filii Spiritus Sancti. Amen. O God, who by thine unspeakable providence was pleased to number thy servant, Pope Benedict, among the sovereign pontiffs, grant we beseech thee that he who reigned as the vicar of thy son on earth may be joined in fellowship with thy holy pontiffs forevermore. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And Mark, if you want to lead the Ave. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesu. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nuc inter in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone, and uh, I hope you have a good day, and make sure to pray for the repose of Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, and also uh, make sure to pray for Marion, who we saw earlier in the episode, uh, passed away early today as well, too. So yes, thank indeed. you, everyone, and uh, God bless everyone. Thank you. God bless everybody.